Welcome to Hustle Lounge. Sincere thanks to our audience and their feedback on our episodes so far. Your response has been so encouraging and we are glad that you are liking all the messaging and all the discussions that we are having on the episodes. At Hustle Lounge, we bring real, relatable narratives of entrepreneurs from world over. If you are a startup enthusiast, you're surely at the right place. Expect life lessons, hacks and some real learnings and of course a fun chat. We have our content on various platforms like Apple, Ghana, Spotify, YouTube and so on. The content is available in both video and audio formats to make it convenient for you to consume. In this episode of the Hustle Lounge, we are interacting with the founders of Luma, Diksha and Divya. Uh, Luma is an eco-friendly home decor brand and Luma means to be found and established. Luma as a brand name is inspired by someone whose life stories are very clear to us, someone who lives with us now through our passions. So, uh, Garima, interesting episode that we're going to have today. Uh, what is the main hustle that we're going to highlight? Yeah, well, I think uh, with so many entrepreneurs that we've spoken to when everybody has a game plan and so much research and I think I think that's great. I don't think that's that's a bad idea, but I think more often than not most people don't start businesses because they they always end up being in this analysis paralysis and it, they never end up crossing it. So I think here are these two commercial pilots who have followed their gut and that's a clear hustle that we'll be talking about today. So um having said that you know both of you uh, I understand that you know you also mentioned that you know you were dabbling with several ideas previously you even tried some uh, what made you so convinced about coming together for Luma and finding yeah. each other Yeah so after I quit my job you know like there were a lot of ideas a lot of projects that were coming and you know but nothing could get concrete because you know like you said that there's so much and you know once you start digging into it you just know that you're not like ready for it right you just procrastinate to a point and then happened then you know when we started traveling and I did a few courses and I realized that you know everything led to uh, you know everything was pointing out to how I wanted the things to look you know I tried to do a lot of passion projects I researched and in the end you know everything was just focusing on how aesthetically it will look more than how it will be technical and how it will function everything just pointed out and then i'm like okay fine maybe this is what something i wanted to do and uh, that's when i was traveling and i met divya and i you know told her about this idea and she was on the same page that you know like we travel so much and why can't we just bring in elements of everything to something that we do and something that we want to do yeah So one solo backpacking trip turned into one hustle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it's fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. But how do you yeah, uh, so how do you identify a market need? Uh, you know, Tiksha and Divya. Like, if I have to uh, bring it that one aspect uh, that you know, like you said, you started off talking about this concept, and then you thought, you know, let's do it, right? So, uh, but mm-hmm. before doing that, how did you identify that there is actually a market need for something like this? uh so you know like i would like just trying to point out the whole process of how we started is you know like uh, like you know it was first me like you know i knew the direction i wanted to get into and i wanted to know what i wanted to do but i was not very clear because this is a new territory right so uh you know even after speaking to divya i was not very sure about how would i would want to take it and you know like it's a funny thing uh, because i was at my friends and i saw a basket 
and I saw how beautifully it turned that, uh, you know, basket, a bamboo basket into a lamp. And, you know, then that just gave me a direction. Okay, fine. This is something I want to like explore into. This is something I could, you know, dig into and figure out. And then when I uh, told the same thing to Divya and coming about the market research and we started doing a lot of groundwork, we went to a lot of stores, we went to a lot of websites, uh, you know, we started seeing what is available and what I personally saw, at least in Delhi and in Bangalore, that, you know, when you talk about these natural uh, materials, either things were very basic and, you know, what we've seen for all these years, like very roads, you know, like very uh, basic elements were available or bulky, expensive furniture was available. And, you know, that's what the market, I thought that there's no middle ground in it. And that's what personally attracted to it, towards uh, me towards it, that I wanted to find a middle ground in redefining all these elements and, you know, kind of bringing out uh, more into it. And that's when we started, me and Divya both started meeting our artisans, you know, we started talking to them. We had to do a lot of analysis about, you know, their artistic capabilities into who can do what. Who can design what? Who can, you know, experiment with what? Because it's so much natural material. And that's how, you know, we realized that there was a need to kind of find that middle ground because not many brands were doing that. I think one other thing that we saw while we were doing all this exploration was that we were ourselves amazed to see what our country has to offer. Because, you know, we are quite limited in uh, seeing the natural fibers around us, you know, the way we are brought up and we see things around us. So, you know, we, we, kind of, we are more or less accustomed to seeing bamboo, rattan, those kind of things. And then we started digging and exploring more and more. We saw that, you know, the country also has other natural fibers like water hyacinth, water reed, there is pine needle, there is moonch grass, sabai grass, there is banana fiber. And you name it, it's endless. So, you know, uh, that digging and finding out about different kind of natural fibers and what you can do and play around with was in itself a journey. And that was amazing to know that, you know, it's India owing to its tropical climate, you know, you have all these kind of fibers that you can work around with, which have not yet been explored into. So, um, yeah, so one was that. And then, you know, you like Piksha rightly said, you know, the you, what you are used to seeing is, basic elements and when we saw that there are so many natural fibers available why not turn this also into something you know which is more designer and you get more designs coming into the market with natural fibers which people are not really used to seeing yeah sure sure so you know with all of this that uh, you know in terms of the research that you did and uh, connecting with all these artisans and a lot of that work happened during the pandemic and you launched during the pandemic. Uh, were there, I'm sure there were challenges for other startups who have, you know, who are now figuring out some ground or who may have thought of an idea and could not execute or, you know, are, were there, are there any challenges that you want to illustrate and talk about and how did you overcome them? You know, considering, I understand that such a business, which is very high on aesthetics, a lot has to do with how, how you pitch the product, you know, to your customer and how you make them visualize how, how, like exactly like Deeksha said, you know, she saw a banana basket and, you know, it was, it was just, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, it was just done differently. And that, that visual gave her an idea of how to sort of uh, use it in her space, right? Uh, your customers were scattered, your, your artisans were scattered. And how did you kind of overcome that challenge? Is there a model around it that you created? So, um, you know, handcrafted business is largely, I would say, a high EQ business. It's, you know, high on emotional quotient. 
um, you have to be sensitive to the artisans. You need to understand, you know, what their limitations are, what their capabilities are. Even pandemic or no pandemic, you know, we have things like it's raining a lot. You know, the bamboo is not dry. People can't come. They can't work because, you know, it's flooded. Um, here we're not talking about machines being able to produce mass products. We're talking about a person, an artisan coming and sitting and, you know, having a beautiful frame of mind and, you know, being able to produce a beautiful product. So the entire handcrafted business is very, very high on emotional quotient. Pandemic or no pandemic. And uh, when pandemic happened, one of the only things that we were hustling or battling with was, um, you know, artisans coming and telling us that, hey, you know, we had like this bulk order of 300, 500 baskets, but the guy has just suddenly, um, you know, canceled the order. Because in the pandemic, you were having people not coming and buying. The product companies were not having many buyers. The service companies were not able to uh, service their customers. So when the cancellation happened, you know, these guys reached out to us and they said, listen, you know, we are in this position. What do we do? So uh, it's, you know, the entire thing is more of a, a sense of community that we have. We are working with them making sure that, you know, they are okay and, you know, uh, they are taken care of and it's likewise, they take care of us also in return. So um, pandemic or no pandemic, our uh, issues remain the same. But one of the key things that we were battling were, uh, you know, apart from they, they taking orders from us, they're also taking orders from other people, which kept getting cancelled. So we came in at that point in time trying to say that, okay, you know, hey, you know, hang in there, we are there to take care of you. So, yeah. How did you manage uh, the restrictions, you know, because uh, there were different kind of lockdown and, uh, you know, restrictions happening in different states, like after the yeah. unlock even started last year. And this year also we saw in the second uh, wave, you know, that when uh, things were closing down, it was closing down at, you know, separate stages in different states. How did you manage these restrictions, uh, be it with respect to, you know, managing your supply chain and uh, your artisans as well as your customers? So logistics was a challenge, like Pan India and everywhere, right? Suddenly, you know, everything was shut down. So this was a challenge. Not only did the uh, did we know, but also the buyers knew about it. So you know, yeah. people were very, very uh, considerate enough, saying that hey, and we you know went ahead and we told the buyers that you know the lead times are going to increase. We may not be able to deliver in thirty days. We might take forty five days, sixty days, etc. But uh, where the artisans came in were uh, you know they uh, stepped in and they said, listen, we're going to work from home. And uh, we needn't be able to come to the workshop and work, but, you know, we can work. Uh, and there was this uh, big cluster that we work with. Um, they, overnight, they just, you know, sent out the work to all the artisans, the women and their homes. So they're able to take care of the kids and everything. And so logistically, it was not such a bigger challenge for us. Um, also, because, you know, we, we have a very strong redundant system. So... Let's say if there was an order of 500 things, we were able to kind of distribute that between our two clusters. Well, I would like to add that all our artisans are very, very, you know, uh, persistent, very resilient. And so are we like, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, because we have created a network like that, because there's so much personal involvement that, you know, it, it's, it's almost as personal, you know, it, this is not just business, it's almost as personal to deliver a certain thing. And I'm very happy that, you know, like over the periods that we've created that, 
uh, kind of you know relationship with the artists that they also take it like that you know like this of so many times we've gone to them and said that listen you need to help us out here and they have you know by sabosa they have come to us like they were rightly mentioned that you know somebody had cancelled a big order and you know they had not paid the advance and you know they he's like listen i need you to help me i need you to you know do something about it and you know so did we so i think we are very persistent we are very resilient in that way so that is help us see the other thing that we are doing um, in you know kind of trying to establish this relationship is for example there are when you have to make the system very redundant uh you know having two three clusters for a particular type of fiber we don't have many clusters in india the craftsmanship is still building um so there are a lot of new new clusters also which are coming up within the country so what we do is um you know like let's say a new cluster says that okay this is my limitation this is my capability this is what i'm able to produce this is the kind of weave i'm capable of but i'm willing to learn more i'm willing to push the boundary so in that case we tell them that um hey you know there is a more seasoned cluster let me uh, get a product from there let me uh, show it to you how these guys do it so it's a sense of community which we are trying to it's not only like you know for us at luma we're not trying to put a product out there and say that hey please come and buy the product it's not that it's a journey for us uh, so thanks uh, uh, deeksha and devya that was very insightful and clearly a hustle there to speak to artisans really all over the country and you know in in terms of uh, like you said pandemic no pandemic i think the the you know the share sort of length and breadth of our country is so wide in terms of not only in terms of the geography but also in terms of talent and uh, surely it's a hustle uh, you also mentioned you know building that community and giving that back and of course that that clearly comes across as a very big goal for you uh how are you uh, and i and i want to break it down for the benefit of of listeners and viewers uh you know in whichever format they are you know sort of consuming this content to understand pricing models uh you know how did you and i, I don't mean something really at high level but really at you know for someone who wants to start and you know who may be looking at any product not not necessarily in the same line of business and pricing today has become so complex right so is was there like a little methodology or what was your process or what were the steps that you took to price the product uh of course needless to say to ensure that your uh you know artisans make the most and also your customers get value so how did you uh, what were your sort of thought what was your thought process there or what were the steps taken to price your products yeah garima so uh, we have actually done a lot of market research uh, we have studied uh, you know pricing models of different brands even on foot like personally i have gone to stores i have gone to shops i have gone to various of uh, you know places to kind of see you know how people are like you know because uh, we also want to we also did a lot of research into seeing what people are paying for it's not about how much they are paying for it's about what we are paying for right so we have done all that and then uh, you know like i think uh, you know then we also went to an artisans we saw everything being made and how much time it took for it to may, uh, be made and you know how much effort they have put in and i think devya might have like a product you know uh, which we can show because i really wanted to like you know talk about that i'm so happy to show this yeah yeah so you know here what we wanted to show you guys is how intricate the design is how thin the layers are so when you know when we went and met the uh, cane artisans and we saw the whole process of how uh, you know cane is kind of made into this beautiful product is they can they spend hours in just peeling first burning cane they need to burn the cane to kind of put it into a different shape now to get that shape in itself it 
uh, three, four hours. And because they've burned it, then they need to peel it with the knife. This is all a manual process, right? So once they have the shape and everything ready, which takes about seven to eight hours, then they, you know, uh, put it into a nice, beautiful product. So, yes. so that's what Disha was talking yeah, about. So every month, every week, we actually, you know, saw it. Like, you know, we sat with them and we saw mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, and then that's what we spoke to a lot of people. And I think we very firmly stand on this, that, you know, our pricing model is based on the fact that we value and we respect their time and their effort. And we also respect our time and our effort and all the passion that we're putting in. And, you know, we are also sensitive towards our customer and providing them the balance between the value and the design that they're paying for. So we have actually done a lot of research. We have spoken to people. We have done a lot of pricing models to kind of figure out that none of these aspects are kind of, you know, neglected here, including ourselves, to be very honest, because even we put in a lot of passion and a lot of work into this. So that's how we have, you know, I think what she's saying is, uh, I would like to reiterate here, it's not how much you're paying, it's what you're paying for, because we've seen that uh, time and again that, you know, uh, customers demand value for what they are paying. And at Luma, we are very, 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 I mean, we are eco-conscious, it's a complete eco-friendly brand, but uh, we are customer-centric brand as well. So, yeah, that's the core at uh, where we lie in terms of our pricing and products. Yeah, yeah. So I I just actually have a quick follow-up question here. So you meant that, uh, so you were physically, you know, going to stores which you saw as as competition in terms of where your customers could buy something uh, similar um, uh, and you looked at uh, internet. But I mean, what you are doing is something which is not, you know, I mean, if, if I want to buy a basket like that, I don't know how will I get it. I don't even think I'll get it. I'll probably have to get in touch with you only. So how, like, how did you kind of peg those products? I'm asking because it's not just your product, you know, an entrepreneur today, you know, they, they, are people, you know, homegrown startups who are looking at starting something in, in fabric, something in beauty. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just that dilemma of, how to bring that value? How do you kind of define that value? Can you speak a little bit more about it in terms of how do you really say this is this is value? You know, my customer will will uh, feel good, you know, paying this. Like you said, you know, it's what you pay for. And of course, uh, you know, it trickles down to, to the last person in, in that chain, which is your artisan. I think here uh, largely, uh, we bring a lot of focus to quality. Uh, which I mentioned uh, in you know earlier also. So it's not only design that we are talking about. Uh, like you rightly said, you know these kind of designs that we are doing here at Luma, you don't find it anywhere. So it's very difficult to kind of say that okay, this is what is the value of this product. But it's not only the design; it's the quality that we are bringing along with the designs. People can make great designs out of any product. They can even make a great design out of plastic. You know, but here we're bringing in a great design along with a. Uh, great quality and that so to give you a sense of um you know uh, things we we don't send any product to the customer unless and until it is vetted by us so once you have that quality and the design and the effort and like Diksha mentioned that you know we are sensitive towards the fact that the artisan has put in so much amount of their time energy into making that product right so when you combine all those elements into it and from the research and everything that we have done and seeing that what people are paying for rather than how much they're paying, um, you kind of find the balance over there and say, okay, you know, this is uh, the segment that we can be in. 
and also the research that we did to add on to what Karima said, it wasn't just the people, like, you know, the brands we thought, you know, were competitions or we did actually research in different materials also. We went to fabric shops, we went to wooden shops, like I have been to all sorts of markets, like, you know, to give you an idea, I also went to a very, very high design store in, you know, MG Road. So that doesn't, ha- that they are not a competition. They are not their competition, right? They're selling furniture watch for lakhs. So, but I went there to see what people would want to pay for, like, you know, what are they bringing to the table and i also saw that that value in somebody selling somebody something for 500 rupees you know because i wanted to see what is that people pay for instead of how much they want to pay for and that's where we value the craftsmanship and the skill of you know the artisans here and you know we have various artisans like i've mentioned before also like you know we know that everybody has their limitations and everybody has their own uh, you know, their own creativity. And we know that, you know, if this is a design that we want to sell, there's only one guy who can make it. We're very certain that he's only going to make it. So, you know, we can get it done from different artisans, but it will not match up to our standard because we have seen we, that product made in a very, very high, you know, resolution. I will not even say quality, you know, because everybody's beautifully designing things. You know, the design is the same, but that resolution, that, you know, that intensity of that product, we know that this guy is going to bring on. And that's how we price it because he also charges for it because he also knows, right, that this is something that he can bring life into. So I think that's how it helped us design, you know, a pricing model of our products. True. Uh, But Diksha, uh, like once you start scaling, right, I'm sure that you'll have to like, for example, the lamp that you showed uh, right now, let's say the lamp is being uh, built by a particular artisan or his community. But later on, you know, once you start scaling, uh, you might have to go to different artisans for the same lamp, right? So uh, how can an entrepreneur in that case make sure that there's a standardization in place and the quality checks are being, uh, you know, taken care of uh, in between those steps? Because uh, once the product is made, it comes to you, you do the final wetting. But in case, you know, there's a defect, then you have to go all the way back to the artist and make sure that, you know, he makes another one or fix the uh, or the uh, the present one. But how do you as an entrepreneur create those layers of uh, quality checks and standardizations once you start scaling? Uh, because at the end of the day, one artisan, of course, for a particular design may not suffice in the longer run. And you might have to expand your uh, base of artisans as well for the same kind of lamp that we just saw. So that is something, Anurag, that we've already started doing. It's not like we are waiting for the scale up to happen. And then, you know, we start finding new artisans and seeing their work, etc. So uh, even before we launched, right, we launched in March. So uh, half of Jan and Feb, we have spent one and a half months in just uh, trying out different artisans, just trying out their products and seeing who has what limitation, what they're capable of, what is the quality like. And then we've identified that, okay, this person can do this, this person can do that. And how I mentioned before that, let's say one person's capabilities are or limitations are A, and you know these guys themselves are saying that, listen, we want to do more. So we get the product from a seasoned player or what they have been doing and give it to these guys and train them in parallel saying, listen, try this, you know, you can do better, you can do this, you can do that. So this process of training and trying out new products is already going on in parallel. So when we launched in March, now let's say we have um, a redundant system of three artisans who are able to do for one product. Um, Uh Let's take the example of Ratan. So these three people are, uh, you know, right now doing all our, all our Ratan related stuff. 
while they are doing it, we are already in the process of trying more and more artisans and giving them work, giving them one one piece and saying that, hey, can you make it exactly according to this? So we're not waiting on that scale up to happen. Uh, we're already prepared for that scale up to happen. And that's how we are like ensuring our uh, quality and standardization. So we take the product and we show it to them and say, hey, this is what we expect. Can you do this? So they have it in front of them and then they kind of push their boundaries and they say that, yeah, yeah you know, this is, uh, yeah. So you get, um, you know what I mean, right? You just get it at the end. Also, one more thing we're doing, like the same thing you said, okay, fine, if somebody, something is broken and it needs repair, we've also created a system where we have those backups available. It doesn't have to go to the main artisan to be repaired because repair, we've identified, okay, fine, this is somebody we can use to just, you know, do tweaks in it, design, or, you know, and also we are kind of combining things, you know, like now I have two artisans, one I know is very good in one thing, one is another thing. So to divert the orders, we sometimes get half and half done, you know, like we sometimes tell him, okay, fine, this is what you are right now. You know, there's so much, sometimes there's so much, uh, you know, lack of raw material and shortage of raw material. This is what, how we have identified in these four months that, you know, okay, fine, if you don't have something, we will get you that, you know, we can source it from somebody else who has it and give it to you. We've done that with almost everything now, like, you know, all raw materials we have kind of like, you know, found a way to kind of circle it around and, you know, uh, make that work for you know us. We have spent like literally 18, 20 hours a day digging and digging this country out, trying to figure out you know how many people are there for national fiber. So like Piksha said, there was an instance when a uh, you know part of the raw material was not uh, available with a artisan. So yeah, don't worry, you know, just relax. You just concentrate on doing what you have to do. We will source it because now we even know where the raw material can be sourced from. Um, so last four months has pretty much been, I mean, if you've seen our, uh, thing, we've not really gone, uh, completely live till now. We're only on Instagram. We're not in any marketplace yet. We don't have a website yet. The only platform that we are really, uh, sending from is Instagram and we've got great response from there. And we don't want to go out there full fledged till the time. We are very, very certain and sure of the fact that we have created a redundant system. Like I said, it's a customer-centric brand. The customer should not suffer. The customer should not come and say that, hey, where's my product or uh, the quality is not good. So when we go out there, we have to be sure that, you know, everything, the entire ecosystem is in place and our supply chain is great. Yeah, I completely agree with that, you know, uh, because uh, uh, instead of, you know, just expanding digitally, I think it's really important to, uh, get hold of your operations and your marketing first in a particular platform. And Instagram in that case is really strong. Uh, it has a great community and you can build your customer base on Instagram with the kind of visuals that you already do. I think I love your images. I was just going through the Instagram page right now and I really loved a few of these images. I've also liked them uh, from my other page, but uh, guys go check out instagram.com slash Luma dot spaces. We'll put in the links in the show notes below. So please go check them out. Uh, I think you'll fall in love with a few of the lamps that I could see. Uh, and I would definitely recommend those to you guys for sure. Uh, that's a personal recommendation, but yeah, I mean, uh, they have uh, everything for everything. So, uh, for sure, go check them out. Uh, any last thoughts, uh, Garima on the episode? Rag, I think we lost you. Uh, but I think you meant any last thoughts from, uh, you know, Divya Diksha, we can start, you know, with either of you. 
Well, I think from my end, I would just say that, you know, handcrafted industry is a beautiful industry because it's not only, you know, you're putting a product out there which you want people to come and buy. It's a sense of community that we are trying to build. It's uh, something that we're trying to give back to the community and also, you know, bring Indian handcrafted products up there on the world stage. That's the mission that we are all a part of, be it us, be it the artisans, be it the um, you know, the resellers of wherever, I mean, platform influences, all of us. So it's a beautiful um, journey that we are all a part of. Uh, entrepreneurial journey is absolutely wonderful. Um, we would always recommend everybody to just dive into it. <laughs> yeah, I would just like to add, like what Divya said was exactly what I wanted to say, but also I would like to add that, you know, right now we are also experimenting with you know, kind of mixing these two brands together, uh, mixing two elements together and, you know, creating a new design, you know, like so that we can re- redefine all these natural materials in the way how people look at it. And, you know, so we're very excited about that. You know, we have kind of, uh, you know, like we never thought that cane could be such an intense, intense, you know, material. And, you know, we're so glad that we could design something without taking assistance yeah. of another material, right? Because that's what we'd seen that, you know, rather in bamboo, usually metal, we are also a con experiment by that. But, you know, like me and the we were talking yesterday, the intensity of the material in itself has really amazed us. And we're very excited to see that, you know, what all can we do with it and, you know, how all can we explore the natural materials that are available mm-hmm. to us here. Right. And this right. agreement and fights and love and everything in the entrepreneurial journey is, you know, a part of entrepreneurial journey. You will love, you will hate, <laughs> you will ask yourself a million zillion questions that why the hell did I like jump into it, etc. But, yeah. you know, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure, Garima, you are, <laughs> you are aware of the hustles of the entrepreneurial <laughs> journey. <laughs> sure, sure. No, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much, guys. This was this was fantastic. Uh, I'm a very proud customer of Luma myself, and I can, uh, you know, take my uh, system around to show some more. But uh, great work and uh, super hustlers that absolutely so delighted to meet today. And so many people would learn from you right from. Um, I, I would just reiterate on the hustle to just follow your gut feel. It really sounds like a romantic story, you know, to just do what what feels like, you know, you want to do and do what is right. And if it's right and if you feel for it, just do it. And um, I know everybody says that, but there are very few people who would quit their mainstream corporate careers, um, quit flying in your cases, you know, and, yeah, and jump into this. Right. Because uh, everybody is always stuck in analysis paralysis. There are so many people who will tell you perhaps why your business wouldn't work. And here are two women who are, you know, uh, sort of redefining uh, that, battling that, hustling that with with their customers, with their artisans, within themselves. So fantastic. Congratulations. And we are very, very happy to have chatted with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Likewise, it was a pleasure meeting uh, you and Anurag. And we had a great time over here. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So, guys, thank you all for tuning in today. Please do reach out to us at hustlelounge at sociallydesi.com for any suggestions, feedback and collaborations that you may have in mind. See you next Tuesday and keep hustling.